No consoles for old men. Game replayability. No consoles for old men. Game replayability for old men. Game replayability. No consoles for old men. Game replayability. Welcome to No Consoles for Old Fogies. But I, I, I think we've strayed away from, you know, I, you know, I think consoles are allowed now because, well, I have two in my house that uh, people play. Mm-hmm. You know, Fallout, Fallout I 4. I Fallout. don't remember us discussing this with the Demands of Court lawyers. But, uh, screw okay. them. <laughs> screw them. What are they going to do? They're going to shut us down? Command functions are offline. Exiting the system. Goodbye. Okay, well, a- after having talked to the lawyers, um, yeah, uh, apparently they can't shut us down, so no more console talk. No, they'd have to pay us if they wanted to shut us down. So. <laughs> oh, wait, that's right. Screw you guys. We're going to talk about what we want. So, and tonight we are going to discuss replayability. 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 Deja vu. Bujadet. It's actually a word processor does not think is an actual word. It keeps telling me, no. you know. Oh, no, spelling word something. Say, word, word processors don't recognize gamer magazine lingo. No, let's screw them. You know, you know. And you can tell by that that mysterious voice that just appeared out of the ether. And we have a guest with us tonight, and we yeah. have host of Earth Destruction Directive, and I believe a new show on the network that I have downloaded, have not had a chance to listen. And it's you and your uh, your bro, Jason, and you're covering B movies. We have oh, with us yeah. Luke Jackinetti. I'll whore myself hey. out to that right now, too, Luke, if you ever want to guest. <laughs> well, get, if you want to be on uh, Bugs, Bots, and Babes, get in touch with my brother Jason Giaconetti. That's his uh, That's his show. Sweet. And, yeah, uh, that one looked good. Yeah, and uh, that, that, that's been percolating in his brain for a while. So it's kind of, uh, I think it's neat that between Earth, Earth Destruction Directive, The Vault of Starbling, Monster Horror, Tales of Terror, and Bugs, Bots, and Babes, we've kind of established a little beachhead of, uh, you know, uh, like, like oddball cinema like genre cinema yep. as its own little beachhead here. Jack in the and Eddie's are yeah. taking over, kids. Look at <laughs> We are taking over. Hi, dear like women. Blue, we're like the Blue World Order, you know. I'm just the, glad to have new show. I'm glad that my show, Mindless Dribble, isn't the last one on the list anymore, so that's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, I want to thank, thank you guys for having me on here. As far as uh, consoles that get played, um, this, uh, if Game Boy Advance counts, I play my GBA every day. Uh, I love my Game Boy Advance. It's my favorite. I, I've been a handheld guy for a long time. I had a Game Gear. I had a Game Boy Pocket, a Game Boy Color, and then a first-generation Game Boy Advance. And now I've got my Game Boy Advance SP that I play. That's the one that flips up and down like a cell phone. Um, got that for 8 bucks at a consignment sale. I was like, win-winner, chicken dinner. But uh, I also, uh, I'm still kicking around my, I've got, it's not hooked up, but I've got my old Sega Master System. Uh, hooked up upstairs, I've got my Sega Genesis, which is a first-generation Genesis. Um, I've got... It's not hooked up, but I do have my Sega Saturn. My Dreamcast is somewhere, but it's 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 no... The laser died on it, so it doesn't work. And then I do have a PlayStation 2, which is, like, the, the newest uh, console that I own. So... Um, you know, you guys talked about on your first episode, I think, that you were you were on that video game train, and then suddenly you got off at one station and said, No more! <laughs> and uh, that's kind of where I was at too, because for a while I was there, I was there, I was hip, I was with it, and then I was passe, and now I'm come back around to kitched. So, 
Yeah, I feel man. like I feel like the real old man in this crew now. And like, how much of my integrity are you guys making me flush into the the cosmic <laughs> toilet tonight? Because I put out a call. Uh, we got a couple lists from uh, other uh, fellow freaks on the Facebook page, and, and it's almost all council stuff because they're they're naming off stuff that's like, wow, man, I really you know, how did I miss that game? It's like that sounds really cool. I want to play that. And of course, I Google it, and it's like never on a pc and that's how i missed it and it's like ah oh, shit well yeah i mean i was always a console <laughs> guy growing up because i was born in 1980 so i mean i remember having a coleco vision with yeah. the the uh what is it module one which was the the 2600 adapter you could plug into the front oh of it. that's right yeah oh yeah so i that that was i mean i never had a 2600 but i had tons of 2600 games and i play it my brother and i used to play the heck out of that um, and then we, and then, like I said, from there we got we we were the Sega guys because we got the Master System and then the Genesis and then the Saturn and then the Dreamcast and with the Game Gear in there as well, which I I bought on my cheese uh, and rice my twelfth birthday I think I bought my Game Gear like a month like the the month it came out. So I still have that upstairs. All the capacitors are, are kind of blown on it, so you got to hold it at like a 90-degree angle to see the screen. Mm. But, but I still got it and all my library of games with the original wrist strap still woven in there. So Nice. On, on, on the Genesis, there was, um, was it Sewer Shark? Was that, was that on the one that had the CD? Uh, no, Sewer, Sewer Shark was a first-generation Sega CD game. That's right. One of their, okay. It was one of the motion video games, along with uh, um, what was it, Night Trap, and uh, the Make My Video series. There was a game was called a game. Sewer Shark, and I was not informed. I'm really pissed. It's, yeah, you yeah, just it's, fly through the sewers, and <laughs> it's a ra- it's a rail shooter. You kind of yeah. go through the sewers, yeah. shooting down stuff in FMV. But as a shark? No, not as a shark. As a oh. shark, that'd been friggin' awesome. But no. Yeah. Or a dude piloting a little ship. Sharks with laser shark. beams, you know. Yeah, shark with laser beams. It's like street <laughs> sharks, man. It'd be totally jawsome. Hey, hey, yeah, it had a guy. Uh, I'd also like to point out Street Sharks. I think the complete series is available on DVD. So oh, you go, probably on YouTube. I mean, <laughs> you search well, no, deeply you, enough. Use that Amazon link. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, yep. Commerce, <laughs> capitalism, yay. That's right. <laughs> trying to find something real quick. Yep, there it is. Sega CD, Sewer Shark. Yeah, you guys got a little helmet on. I remember, but there was, uh, who was, there was like an actor in there who always plays like a, uh, like a slime ball guy. Usually, we, we, yeah, I never, we I never had a Sega CD. I don't know that one. Oh, uh, yeah. One of the guys on the ship had, had this game. And, um, when he was new, he was new to the ship and he, and, and he was in our work center. So it's like, Hey, we got a new game down here because I had the computer, and then this guy came along with the uh, with the Sega CD. So, yeah, I always thought the guy in Sewer Shark looked kind of like DB Sweeney, but I yeah. think that may be kind of mean to DB Sweeney, who's by all intents and purposes apparently a lovely individual. But uh... <laughs> oh god, this whole opening—I'm just like flipping through the opening. <laughs> oh man, this is like '80s, late '80s cheese. Yeah, except unfortunately the Sega CD was like 1993, so. Yeah. <laughs> the guy you're replacing, he had that same tough guy smirk on his face that you do. Till he hit the wall. They're out there now blotting him up with handy wipes. I guess we should kind of, I wanted to go down, I mean, we're talking about kind of a nebula. We're not having one of our, like, theme uh, Yeah, shows. back to the theme, back to the theme. Um, 
So, and replayability in games is kind of a nebulous concept, because, I mean, but I mean, I, I broke it well, down I wanna, to a couple points of... Uh, well, I want to I throw out first, before we even start, I don't consider most, um, because I saw in, like, we had a few lists that talk about replayable games for, uh, you know, of all time and yeah. for the past decade, and first off, I don't think MMO should be included in there, that's the whole point. Okay. Yeah, I was I was gonna say. I mean, for my own personal list, I I imposed kind of some instric- uh, restrictions on on my definition of it, which I didn't you know kind of relay to you yet. So if that, you guys didn't do that for your list, no biggie. But well, considering Luke didn't know about this until yeah. thirty seconds before he came on, uh... it's all good. It's all good. That's my dedication to the podcast craft. Yeah, no, but I agree with you, Bill. I, I kind of imposed yeah no MMOs because that's kind of goes without saying that you keep getting on there and you know it's a giant it's a never-ending rpg mm-hmm. um and i also kind Which of there's nothing wrong with it i just don't think it falls into the realm of replayability no no I, I'm, I'm basically talking you know and i even thought to myself you know no games that you like sit around and wait for the next dlc to come out i'm thinking of games you know right out of the box the the whatever 50 bucks you pay out of the box how many you know how many hours of enjoyment can you get out of that as it you know sits as is I mean, and I guess you could argue, like, you know, because obviously one of the things for me in, in this list is going to be Fallout. Yeah. But you can choose to play the game differently. You don't – and you it's it's up to you to create a character and make choices, whereas in an MMO, you know, oh, yeah, well, you can replay it. You just, you know, instead of, of uh, like in the Star Wars games – you know, well, you can play a smuggler or you can play a Jedi. I'm like, yeah, but I'm still kind of, yeah, I can do that and then choose light or dark. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, it's pretty much the same. A, a, a lot of the stories are the same, and there's not a, there's there's not as much, you know, there's not as many things that are different as in, like the Fallout or the. Right, I, I still think it's a valid uh, I, metric for so. replay, replayability, but I mean, yeah, as far as MMOs. Yeah, I, I didn't have any on my list. Yeah. So go ahead. Well, I, think, I think you, I think Scott, I think you hit the nail on the head talking about uh, DLC versus out of the box. And you know, I I said this kind of in the in the yuck it up time before, but the term replayability I first saw reading um, Game Players Magazine, Game Players Sega Guide Magazine back mm-hmm. in the uh, '90s, and then in Game Pro as well around the same time. So this this was a term that dates back to the early the, the second and third generation consoles when there was no such thing as DLC. Oh, in PC, when, I mean, I used to get all the PC gamer game uh, yeah. magazines, and you know, it's the same thing. It, it, same all all reviews have, all good reviews should have some kind of metric for the replayability of a game like right. that. Yeah. And that, but then the designers <laughs> at that time they couldn't just say, "Well, we'll just release new content over a DLC in in three months, and you'll you'll you know pay another." portion to get it they had to you know back then the design was well okay we need to program something into this or put in a game mode or some secondary thing that the player can do that they're going to want to play the game again yeah you know so i I think to me all the games that that i um kind of thought of when the call went out for what's the most replayable games i know of all time and all that they're all older games and part of that's my bias because of you know where i am as a gamer but just I, i think there was more focus on that from a you know um, initial experience rather than a well we'll get them to love the engine and we'll just keep producing more of that engine through DLC or whatever. So, yeah, and we yeah. can talk about that because I think it's a a very intentional and kind of greedy business model, smart business model. Um, 
but it leaves a bad taste in my mouth, and I tend to. Hey, I mean, this, this I've is always said I don't buy. Is... I don't buy a newer game now until they give me the whole shit and caboodle in yeah, one big, one you know, game of the year edition or something. I ain't waiting I mean, around uh, for the rest of my video game. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I I go to Walmart and I see these racks upon racks of Disney Infinity and Skylanders Giants. And it's like, wow, they they're getting you to pay fifteen dollars to get a new character in your game. Yeah, well, that, I mean, it. I mean, it, it at one in one sense it boggles my mind. And the other side, I'm like, why the hell didn't I think of that? Because it's yeah. friggin' <laughs> That's why Bill laughs about me getting that, uh, you know, $200 opening, um, you know, kind of Kickstarter almost for Marvel Heroes, where I got like 20 heroes. In, well, in, are they still giving you new heroes for free or, or no? No, no, I, I got just what they were going to release originally. Uh-huh. But, I mean, still. When you look at it, what they charge for new heroes and everything now in costumes, I definitely got a deal on it. And the people that are, you know, very addictive about getting everybody and all that are, are spending tons of cash. So, <coughs> oh, excuse me. <coughs> so I don't really regret that purchase, but I don't do it very often. <laughs> <laughs> and then, as I said, generally, if it kind of pisses me off if you're going to sell me a $60 video game and it's not all there, you know. If you want, make a sequel, and I'll pay you sixty bucks again. But give me a complete freaking game, you know, for the money that I pay. But well, usually I'm I I, I can wait for a game, you know, for the uh, for the DLC. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I just bought I just bought the season pass for um, for Fallout Four for the DLC that's coming out. Yeah, just because my son's playing it, and he's like, way man, I think I've created a monster. Oh yeah, we got an update. I, I'm, I posted on the Facebook that my son actually figured out something that I had no idea was even in the Fallout games. I and saw that, was, that something to do with uh, the when you hack a terminal. Yeah, when you when you go into a, a computer terminal, you have four chances to to unlock the terminal based on the words that are on the screen. And let's say you've you know let's say the code word is is uh, roar. Well, you'll have oh, roar in there, it's right? Roar. You might have sore, you might have door. So, like, if you pick door, it would say, all right, you've got two of your matches are right. You know, two of your letter positions are right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then if you picked uh, sore, it would say three of your positions are right. And then, obviously, oh, well, my last choice that would match that, it was going to be roar. But ching I open up the thing. Well, they've got a lot of choices there, and sometimes they get to the point where there's, you know, on harder terminals, there could be words that are, have up to five to six or seven letters. So, but mixed in with all the other stuff on the screen is is just, you know, different symbols, parentheses, pound signs, numbers, and you can scroll through them, and it just goes click, 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 click. Well, as as Ben was going through there, he noticed that when he would hit certain ones, it would light up like a block of four or five at once when he hit it. And when he pressed, when he selected that, it would either remove dud uh, words, words that weren't going to work. Right. Or it would reset the amount of tries you had on the panel, uh, on, on the console. Now, the other way to, to get around that in the game is that you get four four tries. If you just exit out of the console and then go back in, you get four more tries. So you, you don't have to – but it's annoying. 
So so I was like, wow, how did you? He's like, I don't know. I was just bored and I just clicked it. So, <laughs> so now 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 it's probably how ninety nine percent of exploits are found. Yeah, in the video game so, world. So yeah. So now when I go and I'm like click 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 click. Oh oh, there's one bleep. Oh yeah, dude. And you can sometimes get three to four words dropped out. You know to make your choices. You know a little easier. So so yeah, that that's that's like a Fallout update, and and he's uh. He's way out ahead of me. He's like at level twenty-five, and I'm at level fifteen. So, <laughs> nice. well, I thought uh, maybe to define uh, replayability in games, we talked about some games that are decidedly not so replayable um, throughout the years. Um, and I think uh, it almost goes back to the old arcade games. Although you can argue that those were made hard enough that people need to keep pumping the quarters in, or at least engaging right. enough that you want to keep uh, getting to the next level. Well, but well, a lot of the old ones got to the point where that if, you know, they may even have books on them, that if you if you learned the pattern to the Pac-Man mazes, you could just fucking zip through there mm-hmm. and never get touched by a ghost and just walk your way through the whole thing. And, and obviously the old arcade games, the only, like, method of achievement that you ever saw was getting that high score and getting your initials, you know, for all the world to see <laughs> that came to that arcade game. Mm-hmm. And so I think after a point, people were getting so good at some of the games. Um, I think Asteroids is the only one that I got good enough at that I could just sit and play on one quarter forever and then just you know get max high score on. Well, see for this <laughs> for this dead definition, do we want to include fighting games? Because by definition, oh, they are. Games, I, well, that's the, the thing with fighting games, especially arcade games, is that when you get into um, if you get deep into the 2D fighting game world, mm-hmm. you know, you get beyond your, yeah, I played some Street Fighter on my SNES type, you know, type world. Uh, the, the fact that they, like, this <clears throat> SNK boss syndrome means that you've got characters in SNK specific fighting games that are so impossible to beat. Mm-hmm. And SNK made a lot of money in arcades by selling these to arcade operators and saying, people will pay quarter after quarter after quarter trying to beat Geese Howard. Yeah. Or Rugal Bernstein or Orochi or, you know, Mr. Karate or whomever, you know, was was the SNK boss du jour for that game. Yeah, I would and think so that fight, would fighting be... games always had if it was a good fighting game, there's a reason why those were so popular in the arcades in the nineties. Yeah. Is that a good fighting game will eat quarters like crazy be, just simply because it has that replayability. Yeah. You could be yeah. the best guy at playing as Guile in your you know, in your area. And you can, you know, but then you're still going to have to come in and, you know, face challengers who are really good at Zangia for whomever, you know? Yeah, I didn't even think about that genre when I was making this list because I literally don't really have any on, you know, I played very few fighting games over the years. Fighters is almost, almost needs to be just removed from the discussion because it's its own thing, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was just playing some Art of Fighting 2 on, on my PlayStation 2 this week. And it's like this game came out, Art of Fighting 2 was 1993 or 94, I want to say 93. And this game is still hard as balls. I mean, it's, I mean, literally, first person, first person you fight is probably going to kick your ass at least six or seven times before you, you get, you can beat them and move on to the second <laughs> fighter who's also going to kick your ass now 10 or 12 times. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, what the hell? But it's like, I'm, but I'm keep hitting continue every time. <laughs> It's like, come on, Mickey, you and me, man. Uh, Mickey Rogers, not Mickey Mouse, but uh, uh, so. <laughs> ah, burning upper, you know. Ah, where are you Burn guys? Knuckle. 
crack shoe. But anyway, finish him. <laughs> he just rips out your wallet and walks away. He's like, ah, sucker. But <laughs> oh, I got you. Boom, another headshot. But uh, that's a, that's a uh, different bankruptcy. Oh. <laughs> I don't think bankruptcy is ever uh, a word that will ever be in Walt Disney's uh, vocabulary. No, meaning they've bankrupted you with their prices. Oh, yeah, yeah, indeed. But... Bankruptcy. Yeah. <laughs> Mickey wins. <laughs> Mickey wins. Uh, I also disqualified, like, um, t- full sandbox games. Like, I was thinking Minecraft and stuff, because that's obvious, kind of obviously has replay value because you just go in and do whatever you want. So things like, you know, Minecraft and even virtual worlds like Second Life, I, I didn't really consider at all as far as replay value, although obviously that's all, you know, that's mainly what it offers is come in and do something new every time. Um, you, you know what's funny? The Literally the only things I know about Second Life, uh, I have on my GBA, I have a copy of the game Tr- uh, Tringo, which is okay. a puzzle game that apparently everybody in Second Life plays. Okay. And then there was an episode of, I think, Law & Order SVU that dealt with a fake version of Second Life. Yeah. That's literally 100% of what I know about that. <laughs> I have some experience in it, and it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool, and it's really weird, and, and I'm sure we'll do a whole... I'll do a solo podcast if I have to on, on my experiences in that madness. Because it truly is madness, but... Uh, it's interesting madness. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, stuff like that. As I said, I, I'm thinking retail games out of the box or downloaded, which is how we do it nowadays, as the kids know. Um, yeah, we used to get our video games in boxes, and they used to have big paper manuals. And, and I didn't need the internet <laughs> to play it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. I, I mean, you yes, know what's funny? I saw, I saw a thing that was, it was uh, if Mario Brothers was released nowadays... Mm-hmm. Super Mario Brothers, and it's got the kid on the internet. And he's like, "Dude, what's this mushroom-shaped thing that's attacking me?" <laughs> and he got, and the response is, "If you come, those are a Koopa. If you come across them, press B to enter attack mode." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think something's <laughs> broken. I went down this pipe and entered into a different world. <laughs> that's my design. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They make some pretty weird video games nowadays, too, though. Shit. I don't know. Nothing to me. That, that's the thing. When you, you start talking about arcade games, and it, there were some that were more replayable than others, some for different reasons. Um, a game that I always found myself kind of coming back to, almost in spite of itself, because it's such a silly game, is Joust. Oh, Where yeah. That was we're my favorite. The, the, the chicken. Yeah. yeah. And it's like it was the, an ostrich or something. Ostrich. I, I always kind of thought it was... I guess I had loftier fantasies for Joust, and I always envisioned it as like a griffin or something. Oh, yeah. Maybe know. it was. <laughs> I don't know. But, they but just seem to have really like long that. legs. Mm, true. But a game like that, where it's so it's so simple, so it's like, okay, I got this. I flap, flap, flap. Oh, I hit that guy. All right. And now you're in it. And you, you will put quarter after quarter in yeah. that just because it's simple enough. It's easy to understand. You can see it, it's not where it's it's so difficult that it's frustrating, but it's difficult enough that you can you can kind of see, oh, okay, I got to get on above the guy. And then you try to get above the pterodactyl and he kills you. And you're like, oh, wait a minute, I got to get even with that guy. I can figure this out. So it does, it does game. I mean, that's a game I still play now uh, on a, on a um, anthology title. I'll still fire up Joust every now and again. 
you know, compared to something like uh, Robotron, which is yeah. like, oh my god, why would anyone ever play this, let alone play it again? This game is bananas. Yeah, well, yeah, I like Robotron, but never much I like Robotron. It. Robotron's fun in small doses, but it's like, it's yeah. like, you know, I can't, I can imagine it giving people seizures. Yeah, nowadays, if I played Robotron, it'd be heart attack filled. You know, <laughs> about the fifth level, but... So I think there, there, there's a certain, there, there, there's almost an elegance to a game that you can pick up and play over and over again years after the fact. It can't be something that's so involved that if you don't remember it, you're not going to be able to play it right. Yeah. But it can't be something that's so simple that it's trivial either, you know? So it's, it's kind of a fine line you've got to walk there. Well, I put in my list of uh, games that weren't replayable, um, obviously like the old Infocom text adventure games, they pretty much had one path to the end. You know, you had to pick the right words to type in, and that was it. Um, like the older point-and-click adventure games, mm -hmm. obviously very linear storyline. Um, you know, there's some deviation. You can, you know, they started getting better in that you could have different paths to, you know, the, the, the same result. But, I mean, they all ended in kind of all the same cutscenes, and, you know, eventually you would you would have to do things in a in a particular direction or particular order to to get to the end of it and you know there was just no point in unless you know if, it, if they had pretty graphics and you wanted to go back through the story again then you went back and played through again but generally you there was no challenge to it anymore because you knew exactly what you had to do so um thoughts but that's about all i had for for uh, games no, that I, weren't I, replayable I mean, as far as I mean, disqualifications yeah, I mean, I, my, you said disqualification. The first game that popped into my mind was Mist, which you know you, you said point and click. That's basically yeah. all Mist was. Yeah. And uh, you know that. And again, I, I knew guys that were obsessed with Mist, but it's like, okay, well, once you beat it, you're never going to play it again. You're, you're simply just not. Yeah. You know, it's not that kind of game. I think you're dead on. I mean, those text-based games certainly, and certainly the point and clicks, where it, they weren't designed to be that. They were designed to be, you know, play them through one time, really. There wasn't the idea of playing them again. Um, they almost kind of made me always think of, like, like modules for D&D, &D, yeah. you know? Mm. If, if, you, if you were in a group that ran that module, and then you went to a gaming con, and they were running that same module, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, I go in the door, I go through the third door, I disarm the trap, I kill the goblin, I pull the switch. <laughs> and you know what I mean? So it's like, oh, okay, there you go. As far as PC games anywhere, there's kind of a resurgence and stuff like that, though. I mean, even, uh, you know, like point-and-click adventure games, obviously you're going to have a lot more choices, but I think it's still the same formula. Like even the big Walking Dead games that Telltale Games has put out, yeah, because you know, now, now they're doing... Um, there's some, you know... You they branched off into Game of Thrones and a couple yeah, other yeah. And, properties. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can choose to save this character or that character, but other than that, the, the decisions you get to make that actually affect how the game turns out are, are pretty limited. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, story, it's, it's graphical storytelling, you know, an interactive novel, which I, I love on a good day, but um, sometimes when you're have to shell out 60 bucks for a video game you want maybe more than one playthrough on it right yeah if you're frugal like me um anyone want to do their lists uh i actually made a list i actually did some work for this podcast for a change <laughs> Yay, me. yeah i got a list and we I... have some uh, suggestions from some of price uh, on the facebook page too that we'll be reading so but dr bill go for it 
Well, I've got 11 entries, but I did, so I didn't really okay. narrow them down to... And some was like like one of the entries is like an entire series. I, I went general in some and did some like main categories, you know. So I got like five or six here. But um, so uh, one that I'll just start off with, in no particular order, um, is and we discussed it I think on our big video game playing podcast, and that was Freelancer. Mm-hmm. Um, is, have either of you played Freelancer? I don't think I played. Yes, yes, I did. I, that was I out in like 2003. While. It was a PC game only. It was put out by Microsoft and yeah. Anvil. Or I get that mixed up with Free Space, right? Sometimes, but yeah, I have played Freelancer. Never played which, Free Space. Which it basically had a storyline, but you didn't have to play the storyline. <laughs> you could go around and do little missions and and take bounties and move. You know, you could pick up cargo and. There was, and then you could eventually just get back to the storyline after maybe you've you know beefed up your ship, bought a new ship, increased your weapons, you you trained. There was all all kinds of stuff in it. Um, it the voice cast was uh, the lead was Ian Ziering from Nine Hundred Two One Zero fame. At, at you know that that was what he had just come off with before Sharknado. <laughs> And now I'm seeing the eye of the Sharknado. <laughs> so, but um, where the replayability came in for me was that it was a heavily modded game, and one of the big mods was like a Star Wars universe, to where they changed all the. Sh- I mean, the ships were unique and different in the game, but then they started to put out mods to where you could. It was. It was. All the ships were done up around Tie Fighters. On, right. And there was so many different variations of ships that you could find based off of ties that people had made. It was it was it was it was amazing. And then you could go off and you would go to different planets, and there would be different Star Wars type ships. And then there was other mods later. I replayed the whole game through on a Star Wars mod just because it just made it so much. Uh, it was so fun fun to play. Uh, then I think I there was other. Uh, D- different mods that uh, there was a Star Trek mod plus they would have mods just for individual ships like they would drop like maybe a galaxy class you know you know once they really started to put big capital ships in that you could fly around it kind of messed up with the graphics because they were originally designed for like some smaller fighter ships so now you'd have like your entire screen would be taken up by your ship right. so it, it, it was a little wonky w- w- with that but like the overall complete redesigns of, of the game to where they had, would upgrade the graphics and, and, and that it was it was a fun game to play and it had a a pretty involved storyline. Roger that. All systems show green. SA fourteen, you're cleared for departure. Acknowledge three point seven. We'll see you in about two weeks. SA-14, we're picking up unknown contacts on long-range sensors. We're dispatching a fighter wing to escort you out of the system. Godspeed. Navy Command, this is Freeport 7. We're picking up some strange readings on the long-range sensors. Which 
which I'm not going to go into now. You know, I, I, but I, if I think mods it, in general have added tons of replay value to a lot of games. I, that's yeah. the one thing I can kind of go ninny ninny boo boo to some of your console people that you kind of don't get the the modding right. community quite as intensive as as PCs do. I'm probably mm-hmm. talking out my ass by saying that because I, I know stuff like Xbox. You know, the newer consoles have kind of the same capabilities. A lot of crossover. Um, capability with PC stuff, so um, I yeah. sit corrected if that's not the case, but let me just have that little fantasy, okay? <laughs> that I <laughs> so have something. <laughs> so that's my first entry. Do you want me to throw out another one, or do we want to just go like a round table, or... I, could, I, don't, I don't care. I, go ahead. I could drop another one. Um, it's an, a much older game than Freelancer. Uh, there was a Delta Force game which the graphics are kind of old and, you know, they don't hold up to today's um, things. But but you had the ability, if you were, you know, you were given a mission and it's like, okay, proceed down this valley, take out these guys, and you, you know, you could choose your loadout of weapons. Um, of course, I would always take the, the 50 cal because I... I think was, I remember that one too, yeah. I was like the bravery of being out of range. And, um, but... You know, they would say, proceed down here and take this. <laughs> now, sometimes you had to take certain things out in a certain time frame, so you couldn't stray too far off the mission. But there's a lot of times I would take my guy and I would go, like, the opposite side of where they expected me to go and then try to take people out from a different side of the camp. Um, and, you know, and then, then, then you got to get up close and personal, you know, and go down and take guys out with hand-to-hand or, you know, with uh, small arms with suppressors and stuff. So, but it was it. Even though it was a simple game, I I love playing it over and over again. It it just really never got bored. Uh, uh, boring. In fact, I still have. I bought like a like a master set of CDs with like add, add-on missions and everything. So mm-hmm. I just haven't tried it on my. I'm not sure if it'll play on my newer computer. So on well, it's three or four years old. But but no, three years old. But I haven't you know tried to play it on this yet. Shooters are always kind of a good, and they almost maybe should be just, I don't know if they, I guess they shouldn't be disqualified, but I mean for for replay because... Well, I wouldn't, I would include like, um, uh, like uh, even, like any of the World War II battle games where it's, you know, you've, you've, it's like, it's on a rail system kind of to where you, you got to run here, you can only go down these paths. I don't yeah. really include them. Um, unless there's some type of free open game mode that you can play with, like open missions, like yeah, well, a lot of those rely on multiplayer to to really give you a, a you know a, right. a unique experience every time. Um, which, which it's still like the battlefield. I think you're referencing like Battlefield 1942 and stuff, Bill. Right, that and and the original uh, two Star Wars Battlefronts had a right had a you could do your own single player stuff that was replayable. Yeah, and the different characters, the different classes add a lot to that. Um, You know, it's almost kind of cheating to say, well, you go through the same thing just with a different class, but that's kind of the essence of RPG. You know, that it's, you know, if you want to be a sniper, you have to definitely plan your tactics different than if you're lugging that, you know, rebel uh, rocket launcher uh, and going after tanks. So Now, getting into another one... um uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, whereas the gameplay was basically the same, but you could choose different heroes to play through. Yeah, in it. I mean, so it's maybe it's not really shouldn't be included in here, but 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it's our show. Adding adding additional characters in order to get you to play through that, I think that totally counts. Yeah, no, that's yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, let me let me give you a for instance. I'm sitting here at my desk. One of the games on my desk that's going to be up on eBay. I've got the Japanese uh, Sega Saturn game Dracula X: Nocturne in the Moonlight, and this is the Saturn version of uh, uh, Symphony of the Mo- Symphony of the Moon. Well, wasn't that a uh, w- wasn't that a Van Morrison song? <laughs> it might have been Symphony of the Moon. Sim- oh, Symphony, no, no, no. Whatever the whatever the PlayStation in the Moonlight. Game was. Oh. <laughs> Symphony of the Moonlight or whatever it was called. I don't remember. Dance I never had a PlayStation. getting at is that uh, uh, Symphony of the Night for the PlayStation you played as Alucard, you played as just Dracula's son right. uh, throughout the game, whereas when they released it on the Saturn you could not only play as Alucard, you could also play as uh, Belmont, you know, your traditional Castlevania hero, and you could play as Maria Belmont, who was like a magic user and had a bunch of other things you could do, so that was that was how they marketed the game specifically was saying well it's you you can there's basically playing as these two characters makes the game totally different so you're basically saying oh well after you beat it as alucard you can play through it as a belmont and you got to use the whip and it's more like a traditional castlevania game mm-hmm. and after you beat it with belmont you can play it as maria and then she's got access to a whole new attack system that uses magic and stuff like that so yeah i i don't i don't have any problem with saying that a game that has a lot of characters that play differently to get you for replayability for something like that where you're putting a party together. That I mean, that's a, that's a traditional way of adding replayability, and I think yeah. that really works. Especially as long as it like does deviate the story, I think, though. I mean, as long as it's, you're not just still mashing A and B buttons through the whole thing, you know, there is some different strategy involved, I think. I think Gene had included one of the <laughs> Castlevania games in... Uh, yeah. He, he had dropped that, and I think he put Final Fantasy VII... Yeah, I got everyone's on the list. Here, oh, do you? So, okay, yeah. good. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll go down there. Well, um, Luke, did you want to throw in another one out there from I, your I list? I can throw one out. Like I said, that was just kind of in response to, to Dr. Bill's. I've, I've never beaten any version of Dracula X, so I can't really speak to that. But, uh, no, the the they said the first one you guys said when you said replayability, the first one that jumped into my head is a game called Dragon Crystal. For the Game Gear, there was a, uh, a Genesis version of it called Fatal Labyrinth. These are both comes from a, uh, games from a class called a roguelike. Mm-hmm. Now, if you guys remember Rogue, yep. way back in the day, okay, the the thing that made Rogue different from the other text-based and uh, you know ASCII style games was that every time you booted it up, it was different. Yeah. All the the maps randomized, the monsters randomized, the uh, the what each all the all the treasure randomized what each item did randomized yeah so very huge in PC indie games now too right like stuff yeah yeah so I I so Dragon Crystal is a game that like I said it was a first generation Game Gear game I I bought it with my own money in like 1992 or whenever when the Game Gear came out I still play I have it on a flash cart for my GBA I play this at least a couple of times a month it is a absolutely addictive game. Because the mechanics are extremely simple, just like a row, any other rogue. Like you take a step, everybody moves one. Mm-hmm. So every, so everything is always moving. But that that labyrinth is random every time. 
all the different items are random every time. Okay, and the goal is to make it through all 30 levels of it and find the dragon crystal at the last level. Well, I've, I mean, I said I've been playing this game for 20 plus years. Yeah. I've gotten to, into the 20s. I've never made it to level 30. You know, it's that crazy of a game just because it's a fun hack and slash, but it's not like, you know, and, and not taking away from hack and slash games, I'm thinking like, uh, um, like Golden Axe or Final Fight or Streets of Rage or that type of the three-quarter view brawler game, which I think are a lot of fun and do have a lot of replay value, especially with two players. Whereas uh, here, the, the in, in games like that, it's the same enemies are triggered at the same times and the stages are always in the same order and all that. Yeah. Whereas in a roguelike, every time you boot it up, it literally is different. So it's, it's literally like just rolling up your own little D&D game for yourself every time yeah. you reset the game. So like, I think that, that's, I think I said Dragon Crystal and, and Fatal Labyrinth as its 16-bit counterpart I, as one of the absolutely most replayable games I've ever owned. And I love that game to this day for that reason. One of the first roguelike games I ever played was, I think, on the Commodore 64. My cousin had it, and it was called Sword of Fargoal. And yeah, it was totally like I remember ad, that. Yeah, it's totally like yeah. Ast- I, saw, I, think, I think they game, opened. But... I think they opened for Behemoth one time, didn't they? Pretty... <laughs> <laughs> and Stonehenge, yes. <laughs> yeah, man. Woo, yeah. Sword of Nargal. Woo. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. It was an ASCII game, but it was just it was like that. It was random and you know random monsters and and very D and D like. It definitely satisfied the the D and D player in me. But um, yeah, I think rogue rogue like games is a good good category in general for replayability um i'll throw out my uh number five on my list here um well along with that i'll do the my honorable mention which is the old neverwinter nights rpgs neverwinter nights and neverwinter nights 2 um which had very linear you know module type D &D stories but they you know when they dropped they came out with a good few stories, um, that, you know, from the official company, which I think was Bioware. Or, no, I actually think it was an Atari product. Um, but it had, like, one of the better modding communities and modding tools where you could just go in and literally make, you know, anything, any kind of adventure you wanted, you know, all by, like, old school, you know, third edition D&D rules. And and the modding community just came out in droves for that and made all the classic old D and D modules. I mean, you could find everything. You know, keep on the Borderlands and the the Slave Lords uh, series and um, you know anything you could think of. Uh, somebody went out and made like an exact copy of that mod, and you could just plug in and play all your old classic you know D and D modules on your computer. It was beautiful. Um, for my number five was. Uh, Tycoon type games like Railroad Tycoon, Roller Coaster Tycoon, in particular. Uh, I didn't think of Railroad Tycoon. Yeah, kind of like business sims in general. I'm I'm a very big business sim guy. Uh, I like pretending I can make millions of dollars on a computer because I can't in real life. Apparently. Uh, and so uh, those always just give me, you know, it's it's kind of open ended. Well, I mean, the main goal is to to die with the most toys. Is, is life right? And um, yeah, it's just kind of cool that there's so many different business strategies. You know, if if the game is well made, to to get to that goal or to succeed or fail, or you know, uh, and there's just a ton of one of my favorite ones of those was uh, an old microprose game, which I wish somebody would make a good. You know, updated version of 
Uh, and if anyone knows of one, let me know. It was Pizza Tycoon. Um, or you literally just, you know, ran a little pizza shop. But it had the best little mini game of where you had to, like, follow a recipe and take each piece of pepperoni and arrange it and the cheese and the sauce. <laughs> and then you'd get graded on how close. And what it had, you know, of course, when we got games in boxes, it had a little recipe sheet showing how each type of pizza was supposed to be made with the different ingredients and however close you got it to the diagram on your little manual there um, was how high your pizza rating was and so you could always try to improve on that because you would never get 100% pizza and God, God forbid if you lost your little recipe book because then you were fucked you had to remember how each of these pizzas basically was supposed to be made you know otherwise you were getting your 89% margarita pizza getting a 12% and people weren't didn't want to pay you $2 for it so there was just so much going on in that one I mean including like subplots of you know the, the local mob comes by for their protection money and you can decide to either pay them or arm up and, and eventually get your shit broke and you know so uh, tycoon games like that there have been a lot of there have been a lot of crap ones over the years it's kind of a very easy formula for some game companies to make and there's just about every tycoon game you can think of in existence, but I've always kind of had a thing for them. <laughs> one, well, one I, one I do want to, I do just want to mention. You're talking about tycoon games, and given the films that came out last year, a game I, I never knew existed, but I was doing some research on another uh, tie-in game for this film, and I discovered this one. Around the time Jurassic Park 3 came out, there was several different versions of Jurassic Park 3 games that were released. Yes, yes. And I... one of them that came out was called, um, I think it was it was called Park Director. Oh, okay, I haven't seen that one. And it, well, the, the, and I know that it was a portable game. I don't know if it had uh, any other console, like home, like uh, you know, non-portable console releases. But it's basically Theme Park Tycoon, except you're running Jurassic Park. Right. So we finally have. The sim where you can set up dinosaurs to break loose and eat the guests. Well, there there was a PC Park. game that I've been. There was a PC game called I think Jurassic Park Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, that was totally that. It was a totally you know, and very good 3D graphics for the time too. That you'd just you'd set up your dinosaur pens and everything, and then you could kind of go in. You could set up little cameras in the pen and then go and look through those cameras to observe your dinosaurs and. I'm, I'm sure there had to be a disaster element to it, but I don't know yeah. if I played it long enough to get there. Um, there's actually a cool Facebook page, uh, Facebook game, um, which is Jurassic. I forget the name of it right now, but it's a Jurassic Park type tycoon game, which is pretty neat. And it's actually added. I've been playing it for a couple of years. Um, it's added like almost a Pokemon Stadium element where you can you know breed your. You know, it got a little silly at a yeah, breed them and like fight a poke- them, yeah yeah you you literally fight your the the dinosaurs that you've been nurturing in your park so that's yeah. a little weird but um, I digress. Uh, Doctor Bill, you want to throw us another one? Oh well, when you mentioned microprose, it, it reminded me, and I think we again we talked about this on like our second or first uh, our history of video games. Micropose did uh, Darklands. That's right. Yeah. Which we talked in in depth about. And I replayed that over and over. Basically, this was so damn hard. You know, it was like the 15th century Germany, and it was a, it was a role-playing game, but there was really no straight-up magic 
Although when you did get into later things, it did get a little crazy. It was more like alchemy instead of magic, where you would yeah. create uh, potions to do things, and you know you could you could when you started creating your four characters, you would you, you could make them all young <coughs> and inexperienced and dumb, and then you would get training, or you could you could train them in different walks of life. But as you trained them and they got older, then their stats got lower. So yeah. there was a, yeah. there was a distinct trade off. You couldn't just you know I'm going to have an Uber character and he could do everything. You know, well yeah, he's going to have all this experience, but you know he's not as strong. He needs to rely more on his skills than his power. And you you know you got to you had to kind of balance out your party and you know keep some guys in 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 the back. And yeah, it, I mean you would it. It was like a click, uh, a point and click, in that you would go through. You would say, "Okay, you go down this street, you go down that street, and then oh, you go down this street, and something happens, and then you've got to take out some bandits that are attacking you, or you would try to get, you would sneak into, a, sneak into a building at night, and then if you got caught by the guards, you'd have to take them on, or, or you know, you, you, it, it was. I, I think the only reason I stopped playing it is because my computer stopped running it. Uh, you, I, you touch on an interesting point, though, um, about games. Because I had to kind of struggle with this when I was making my list about is a game being really, really hard the same as good replay value? Because I was going down my list and I realized that, you know what, I haven't even finished some of these games because I just have never been able to because they've been that difficult for me. Mm. And um, I don't know. I'll argue my point on it. When I get to that one in the uh, in the list here, but um, yeah, I think it does though. I mean, I think you, you, I don't like games that are too easy unless that's the kind of game I want to play. If I want to play something that I can have a fun time in half an hour, you know, and wrap it up, then that's the kind of game I play. But generally, if I'm going to shell out sixty bucks for a game, I don't want to. I want like more than five hours worth of playtime out of the thing. Yeah. Know? So. Um. Half-Life is another one, but I don't know if that was more replayable because when they came out with the the with the different mods to it or like the like the add-on games to where you could play as the security guard. Yeah. And you and and you could see the game from a different, you know, you you went through the whole storyline but from a different character's point of view. Well, so, yeah, I think that goes back to different classes and stuff making mm. uh even if it's kind of a similar storyline. But yeah, Brian Hughes actually said Half-Life 2 in all episodes, um, and where is my Half-Life 3? Yeah. Uh, of course. I think the rest of my game are, are all series games other than uh, I've, I've got two Star Wars entries on here, and that's Star Wars Empire at War, which was like a um, turn-based strategy slash real-time. Yeah, it was It was kind of mostly real-time. I mean, you could pause it and make, but it was ticking away. You could slow it way down, but... yeah. Yeah, that's and then you could, but you were right in the middle of space battles, or you had ground battles that you could do. I almost went um, back and added that one, but I, I think I put it under kind of an umbrella category instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other Star Wars one I have is Knights of the Old Republic, where it was you could choose different paths. Now it was a little bit, it was the same, it was the same storyline essentially, but. It did have, you know, you could choose light or dark, and uh, I think you could choose, if I remember correctly, different sexes. The first one was a lot better than the second one. Yeah, uh, yeah. For for that, anyway. Uh, and then, um, 
since the second one was pretty much broke <laughs> by the end of it completely. So, um, then two games that are kind of under this the same umbrella would be Fallout and Elder Scrolls. Mm-hmm. At, at at least later, I mean, we did a whole show on Fallout, so we don't need to rehash that. But Elder Scrolls is kind of like the newer Fallout games, just in a different setting. I yeah. said the same thing. Um, Fallout series, Elder Scrolls, similar high-end RPGs, mm-hmm. um, even like the the you know Grand Theft Auto series, almost linear quest, but with an option to to basically ignore the quest and go open world as long as you want, and then come right. back to it. And just any you know ridiculous number of different classes and customization, you know games like that. I've never even I know people who you know spent a day just designing what their character looks like, and I'd love to get that meticulous about it. But <laughs> I, I don't. I just want to start playing so I can go in with generic guy. They give me or I randomize. Randomize is awesome for customization, mm-hmm. and uh, you know just get rolling. But and then uh, the last two, which are. A series of games would be the Civ games, you know, Civ one through whatever they're five now. Yeah. Oh, because yep. those hours and hours of playing, you know, having Gandhi drop nukes on me, <laughs> and you know, like what? You're so supposed to be a pacifist. Get out yeah. of here. Uh, that was my number one. I knew we should have compared notes that we'd have a lot of similar ones on this. Um, but yeah, I said Civilization, and other. Uh, what I would call grand strategy games, mm-hmm. which well, I would have, and I kind of put Empire at War under that too. Mm. I mean, um, and those are so Master of Orion, Total War series. Yeah, yeah, because well, with the Civ series, you can just create different Earths. You can have different. Yeah, you can change the geography. You can change so much in there. And On the mods for Civ Five are just out of hand. Now, see, I haven't done I've any, got a, any I got a Game of Thrones one, still, uh, future uh, nuclear war one with mutants and super tanks and oh, everything. They need yeah. a Fallout Civ, Civ game is what they, they got it. They, oh, there's one out there yeah. that has all the Fallout towns Ooh. from the game. Yeah. And then uh, I guess my last one that was in this little list that I had was the original and the new XCOM games. Which <laughs> Me I, too. Yeah. That was my number two. <laughs> because those, the original XCOM, oh, man, I, 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 I played that so many times, and it, it's that kind of gets hard, too, as you go. Well, that was the one where I thought to myself, it's like, is cause I'm playing XCOM 2 right now, and I'm a moron. I, I have to have it on, for my own ego, I have to have it on at least normal difficulty. Because I'm not a beginner, okay, and uh, <laughs> and I play Iron Man mode, which means you can't save and go back. It's just whatever happens, Ooh, happens. Wow! And no, yeah, just failed another marathon session of it and have to start all over again. So, Ouch. yeah, it's like I don't know if I ever I I almost finished the the newer the first XCOM that came out a few years ago. Um, got up to like the last mission and then had to give up because I couldn't get through it. And uh, uh, I haven't done much with the bureau one lately, but uh-huh. yeah, I, I, we have very similar. Well, see, well, see, the bureau's help us little... throw us some flavor, Mister Jack and Eddie. I know we're well, just <laughs> like I said. You, you guys are, you know, I, I think you guys are farther along on that route than I am. I got off the sta- <laughs> at the station a long time ago, so. Um, one that my, my brother mentioned on the Facebook uh, discussion, and that I agree with him 100%, is uh, talking about a series of games. There's a Japanese series of games called Fire Pro Wrestling. Fight! 
had a few releases here in the States. The first one officially released here in the States was Fire Pro Wrestling, just called Fire Pro Wrestling. It was on the Game Boy Advance. We also had Fire Pro Wrestling 2 for the Game Boy Advance. And then finally, the final game in the series, which is called Fire Pro Wrestling Returns for the uh, PlayStation 2. Now, these have been, this is a long series of games. It dates back to the Super Nintendo. There was installments on the SNES, on um, a there was one for the Sega Saturn, which was the first one we owned, which is called um, Fire Pro Wrestling S, Six Man Scramble. There was Fire Pro Wrestling G for the PlayStation, Fire Pro Wrestling D for the Dreamcast, and then R for the PlayStation 2. Yeah, now, I want to do say, my old man rant just for a second. Is like when I saw him post that, I Googled it immediately because uh, I love me a good wrestling sim, and there aren't well, enough that's, out that's there. The, that's the thing. It's like, and, nope, and, not on PC. You lose. <laughs> Well, and that's you know that that's the thing is that you you talk about PC gaming. Well, in Japan, consoles are it. Yeah, yeah. Like, consoles are king in Japan, and yeah. this is a definitely a console game. But here's the thing with it: you might be saying, "Okay, Fire Pro Wrestling. So what's it like?" Okay, so let me give you a breakdown of the first Fire Pro Wrestling game that I ever played, which was S. Okay, so let's say that instead of having uh, wrestlers from one promotion, you've got wrestlers from uh, twenty-five promotions, yeah. as an example. And instead of having maybe 25 wrestlers, you've got 300. And nice. instead of having, you know, uh, you know, a couple of different slots to put uh, edit modes in, let's say you've got, oh, another 200 to 300 edit slots. You can create your own guys. And that every wrestler is made up of, you know, uh, you know that you have literally an infinite amount of customization you can do. There's mm-hmm. over 300 just heads for guys. Wow. Every one of those heads is attached to a model. So even if the wrestler is not in the game, a good example is a, ga- a character who's very rarely in uh, the Fire Pro games, but is always in the uh, the edit head list is Scott Hall, also mm. known as uh, you know uh, Razor Ramon. If you're an old school WWF fan, yeah, yeah. Scott Hall, just go to his head, and there, boom, there's his model. You have Scott Hall. But now you not only need to do that, now you have to create all his moves and how the CPU logic works. So you've got hundreds and hundreds of characters that are all real characters. It's just their names have been changed to protect the innocent. Yeah, yeah. My personal favorite of all time of the fake Fire Pro Wrestling names is uh, 90s ECW star Rob Van Dam. Okay, Mr. Monday Night, no, Mr. Five Star, Rob Van Dam. <clears throat> His name in Fire Pro is Rog Random. <laughs> so they're all just kind of... Dick, like Rob Van, oh, it's Rob Van Dam. But you, you can look at them, like when you go to the American section, and you can immediately tell who all the American wrestlers are. Just go in and you rename them, and then you're yeah. good to go. Yeah. So it's it's, but the, it's unlike most uh, American wrestling games, it's it's not the mechanic of it is not based on button mashing. It's not how fast or how hard you can mash the buttons. In yeah. fact, if you mash the buttons and try to throw power bombs from straight out of the gate, you're gonna lose very quickly. You, you said the right word, Scott. It's a wrestling sim. Yeah. This is a pro wrestling simulation. It takes it as a real sport, and you've got to fight in the right style. Now, the one my brother specifically referred to is on Fire Pro, the two portable ones, Fire Pro A and A2, which are um, you know Fire Pro Wrestling and Fire Pro Wrestling 2. <clears throat> the, the single player mode in that is called the audience match. And there are six different modes in it that you have to play through. Well, each time you play through, in each different style, you have to win in a certain style and win the audience's approval. So mm-hmm. let's say the, the easiest one for most Westerners 
is a showman style because that's American style. So mm -hmm. you get to taunt a lot, you use flashy moves, you use your taunt right before you hit the finisher, you win the match with your finisher, you'll get a good approval rating. Well, then you can go in and load it up and play the, um, the strong style, which is the New Japan strong style. And it's totally different. If you try and play it like a showman style, you're going to get booed. And you're gonna, you're, you could win the match and still get a 40% you know, approval rating when you need an 85. Nice. Mm. And, uh, you know, and, and they also have the King's Road style, which is like uh, All Japan and NOAA. They've got Lucha, so Lucha Libre style fighting like yeah. Mexican wrestling. Uh, they've got shoot fighting. All the every, all the games since S have had a full, you know, uh, octagon MMA style shoot fighting mode. When you get into the games like uh, Returns, it's a whole nother mechanic to play in the octagon. So it's like a full MMA game on top of being a full wrestling game. And yeah, you know, so it's, and and there's an inf there's, uh, tons of different ways that you can customize the game as far as what kind of matches you play and stuff. Um, Depending on how, what system you're on, you can have between four to six to eight guys in the ring at one time with no slowdown because everything is sprite based. There's no mm -hmm. polygon. There's no polygonal stuff, so yeah, thing moves really fast. And the edit mode is insane. Pretty much anything you want, you can make in the edit mode. Um, by the time you get to R, you can import ring logos and you know uh, sound files, and you can customize the ref. You know, you can customize the arena. You can do anything with this. So th this is, it, it, to put, if you're a wrestling <laughs> thing, you need to own a Fire Pro game because you'll play it until basically your your console breaks and you can't play it anymore. You know? It, it is I, an amazing, amazing series. So I, I, I've played a couple good um, wrestling sims on the PC, which I, there always seem to be indie ones. They always seem to be kind of, you know, almost like that. It's like, yeah, we've got, you know, Harry Hogan over here instead of Hulk Hogan and, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, well, that, that's, that's, that's because, really, the, the main thing with a wrestling game is the license. Yeah. You know, if you get a good license, if, and, and, you know, in, in the 90s when there were three major promotions in the U.S., licenses were, you know, that was a big deal. Now it's pretty much just WWE. You know, TNA is not going to have a game. Ring of yeah. Honor is not going to have a game. You know, so you got to go to something like this where... It's, it takes the uh, puts basically the the it puts the focus more on the actual gameplay than on anything right. else. Yeah, see, I'm more like into the the strategy of running a wrestling league than I am. Well, that, whether and, I, and that's, whether I care and, or and not if saying, I can play as Bob Backus, you know, or whatever. Well, so. that and, and then fire fire Paris, uh, That was a guy, right? Dude, Bob Backus. Bob Backlund. Backlund, that's it. Okay. It, yeah. But uh, lost to the Iron Sheik. That, right? uh, lost the world title to the Iron <laughs> yeah, Sheik. Yeah. Sheik beat Hogan, and then beat uh, beat Bret Hart, and then Bret Hart beat uh, was or yeah, and then he was beat by Diesel. But anyway, um, in they did they have one of those. It's called Management of Ring, and that's in several different versions of the game. Also, where not only do you have to run the promotion and book the cards, you have to go and find new talent and bring in new talent into your league in order to get uh, to to keep the talent fresh to keep people buying. You're, you're buying tickets to your shows. So depending on how deep you want to go, it, it, it's a rabbit hole that if you're a wrestling fan at all. And we talked before about, I, I mentioned before that in Japan, consoles are king. Well, the otaku in Japan make the otaku in this country look like amateurs for the most part. And that goes with, with, pro, with puro resa, with pro wrestling fans too. So the otaku over there love this kind of crap where it's all details and stats and everything else. And uh, you know all the and the gameplay itself is based entirely on timing, 
so that if you just mash buttons, beginners lose and lose a lot in this game, as is typical of a good Japanese game, you know? <laughs> so... Uh, There's that, one I used was, to play. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just, just going to say that that was one I had on my list. What were you going to say, Scott? Oh, I just I, I wanted to throw this out there in case anyone can find it and wants to try it out. I used to play this wrestling um, PC simulation. I think it's Wrestling Revolution. It looks like there's something out for mobiles now. With mm. by a company slash person called M. Dickey. And he had like, I said, just literally uh, Google M. D. I. C. K. I. E. Dot, you know, and you'll find them. But, uh, yeah, they, and it was just very similar, you know, um, build your league from the ground up and train your wrestlers and, you know, every little stat or thing that, you you know, choose your you know, your promotion music and your graphics for your TV show and your schedule for the different fights and all that good stuff, you know, just a simulation dream. And I'm um, trying to find another copy I can play someday. Another another PC based wrestling game that another one my brother and I played forever is from um, um, I'm going to get this wrong it's it's Lance Hafner Games I want to say it's called Rampage Pro Wrestling it is a text based wrestling game I know what you're saying how do you make a text based wrestler game it is I've awesome. played a couple of good ones yeah yeah ra- uh, if you can find a copy of Rampage another game with 500 people in it you know without hyperbole including Abe Lincoln you know. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Who was a pro wrestler? For yeah, hey. While, so, uh, you know, I'm down with that. But uh, uh, that that's another one that my brother and I, when we were working at uh, Burger King, when we were both in high school, when we worked breakfast, we would book cards. You know, it's like, oh, it would be great to have this guy fight that guy. And then we'd go home, you know, and after we'd uh, showered up and everything, we'd run, them on, run the cards and rampage, you know, and go from there. So that was a lot of fun. But... Uh, so yeah, as I say, Fire Pro. If you like um, wrestling games as far as replayability, that's the best one I've ever found. Mm-hmm. Um, Doctor Bill, you were talking before about um, some of the uh, like the combat and war games where, and and Scott, you were talking about like Grand Theft Auto, where you can kind of go off and there is a mission, but you can still go off and kind of do your own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the ones that made me think of was the Strike series from Electronic Arts, which started out with Desert Strike and then Jungle right. Strike. Or- Strike yep. Soviet, oh, Strike okay. I remember those. Because I had I had um, Desert Strike and Jungle Strike for my Genesis, and then I had Soviet Strike actually is sitting uh, about two inches from me for my Saturn. And uh, that the thing about those is that yeah, there was a you had a lot of missions to accomplish on each stage. But if you want to just fly off and just explore and do your own thing, you had the whole stage to explore. And well, sometimes you were rewarded for that. I remember specifically in the very first mission on Desert Strike, um, if, if you flew north on the map, and this wasn't a objective, this wasn't anywhere uh, that, that was, you know, anything that was mentioned anywhere in the game, but if you flew north in the map, you came across a downed, I think it was an F-22, mm-hmm. and the American pilot fighting off the Iraqi um, soldiers that had shot him down. And so if you came in and you could, you know, kill off the soldiers and then pick, pick up the pilot and then destroy the F-22, the crashed F-22, you got a bonus for that. Mm. You got a bonus of, you know, F-22 pilot recovered and F-22 technology uh, protected. So it was it was just little things like that re- that rewarded you for exploring the map, you know. So I know it's, that, that's what made me think of those. And I think those games are a lot of fun and they're very replayable. 
again because there's a lot the, the stages are very big and the controls are very smooth so it's enjoyable to just tool around in your chopper blowing stuff up you know yeah yeah <laughs> nothing better than hitting a dude firing at you with a with a machine gun with a hellfire missile <laughs> take blam <laughs> uh, oh, and um another just a, a, as a class of games that's you know um the super replayable i would say games the puzzler games like the two that popped into my mind were tetris and columns Hmm. Yeah. Where it's just like you know, I mean Tetris. So, I mean Tetris made the Game Boy console. Uh, the the story goes that there was a, an internal talks about what the pack-in game was going to be with the original Game Boy. Yeah, yeah. The the, the strong candidate was Super Mario Land. This is like oh, we, it's like a Nintendo console. We launch it with a Mario game. And I forget the uh, I don't remember who it was in Nintendo that said no, we can't do Super Mario. We do Tetris because if we make it Tetris, we'll show the Game Boy is for everyone not just for gamers. Hmm. And, you know, so that was obviously a stroke of genius because Tetris is a game that lots of people love to play and still play over and over and over, you know, what is it, 35 years? Not 30, yeah. yeah. Well, it was 1988 or so is when Tetris was coded, wasn't it? So a long time after it first debuted. And then I, as, a, as a Sega guy, Columns is the answer to Tetris over at Sega, so I always think of Columns. But just puzzlers in general. I had a roommate when I was a senior in college who um, I, I know I was I'd be over on my computer on Win Kwax playing you know Real Bout Fatal Fury or um, Art of Fighting Two or whatever, and he was on his computer play, playing Win Kwax playing these strange Japanese puzzle games. And I'd say, Larry, how the hell do you play that? He goes, Oh well, I know the I know the the characters for Yes, No, and Save game, so I'm pretty much you know. <laughs> <laughs> like playing a Japanese RPG, you put thirty hours into it, it's over. I have no idea what happened, but the yeah, so right. uh, I'm, I'm just puzzlers in general. I I'd always I've got a couple of good puzzlers on my GBA. Just always can fire them up if I you know just need to relax before bed or have had a yeah, stressful yeah. day or whatever, just you know. But it, they're fun because again they're they're simple but they're challenging. Um, I've got one for my GBA. It's, it's a two for cartridge, and I picked it up because one of the games on it is Doctor Mario which is one of my wife's all-time favorites. So she likes that I have Dr. Mario. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've always thought Dr. Mario was equal parts puzzle game and uh, skiving criticism of the medical industry. <laughs> Just to think me, about Dr. Dr. Mar Mario. Hey, think about this. Think about Dr. Mario. What does he do? The patient has an infection, has all these diseases, right? So he, what does he do? He throws pill after pill after pill at the problem. <laughs> And he makes them go away for a little while, but they just come back stronger. And then it's more pills, and it's just an, an endless cycle, isn't it? That sounds about I mean, the, right for the American medical medical industry right situation. there. You know. yeah. I am Dr. Mario, and I am saving lives. I look different in this game. I lost my hat, got a code, Dr. White, stethoscope. I am Dr. Mario, and I prescribe high fives. Letters, the best medicine, so <laughs> you fell down. In the Mushroom Kingdom, I'm the finest dog by far. I got my degree by watching how sand scrubs and E are brightly colored pills. They'll cure all your ills. And just as long as you've got fever or the chills. Take off your pants. Good. Now let's see. Turn your head and cough. <coughs> okay, now do me. Please? Does it hurt to pee? No. Is it hard to see? No. I am diagnosing you with HPV. Oh. 
You've got mononucleosis, halitosis, scoliosis, 15 days is my prognosis, you need red and blue pill doses. You've got scabies and phlebitis, chronic rabies, hepatitis, you'll be brave and you'll unite us, then you'll die of meningitis. Wait, wait, I'm wrong. You have crabs. Brightly colored pills, they'll cure all your ills. What? Just as long as you've got fever. But uh, the other game on there is a game called Puzzle League, which is just a, um, it's a very uh, simple kind of tile switching game where you're trying to line up three colored tiles by switching them around. Uh, this had previously been released over here in the States as Tetris Attack on, uh, I think on the NES, the late later days of the NES. But it's like, I could just throw either of these games on and just, you know, turn my brain off for a little while and flip colors around and just have fun and relax. So uh, that 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 one is is one that that whole genre. I think you can. I think everybody has. You know, if you've been, especially if you came up playing games when I did, you probably have at least one puzzle game that you kind of gravitate towards. Um, uh, my, my puzzle Quest. Puzzle yeah, Quest. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess like I Angry mean, Birds would be mine. Um, I'm sorry. What was that, Scott? I talked. To I him. guess Angry Birds would be mine. Something to that effect. Yeah. Um, I know my brother loves loves the game Baku Baku Animal for the Sega Saturn, and the way this is a tile dropping game where some of your tiles are food, and some of your tiles are animals, and when you match the animals up with their food, they turn into a big 3D animated head and eat all the food. All right. It is awesome. <laughs> and so you put the you put the uh, you you put the carrot with the rabbit. It goes chop 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 and eats all the carrots. It's great. It's friggin' fantastic. I just, I have such a low tolerance of, of frustration for games like that. Like I never got into the Tetris because I was just flat out freaking horrible at it. And I Sarah will sit here and play just hours upon hours of like stuff like Puzzle Quest and the, that whatever the fucking candy game is that everybody plays. Candy, candy Crush, Crush. Yeah. yeah. So you're saying like, you, you uh, never got into the game Lemmings, then, if you're not easily... Oh, no, I actually loved Lemmings. I loved <laughs> Lemmings. And I, you know, it's probably not a good commentary on my soul on that I loved Lemmings, because that was a pretty evil game, really. Death, yeah. yeah, you know, you essentially was you're trying to save as many as you could, but it was so much more fun to watch them die. Oh, come on, huh? man. Who are you kidding? <laughs> Another um, another one, and this goes back again to uh, kind of the combat games. And I, I've talked a bit uh, kind of uh, sideways about SNK, but SNK has a, besides all their fighting games, they also put out a series called Metal Slug. And Metal the thing Slug. with Metal Slug is that the art, it, it's kind of a, it's a World War II era, um, well, not World War II era necessarily, but it's a mostly World War II era, super deformed run-and-gun game. Okay, <laughs> but in the arcade versions of Metal Slug, you get one you get one hit and you're dead. So it's a game that encourages a lot of replay in order to run through the stages perfectly. Because when you look at the game, it's got these crazy SD graphics, giant guns and bombs going off. It looks mm-hmm. like it should just be brainless, run forward and shoot. But it actually is a game that requires you to be very precise with how you ru- how you run and gun. Mm-hmm. So the Metal Slug games, I always thought had a lot of replay. There's been they've been poor, there, there's been lots of versions of Metal Slug released over here. I'm not going to get into all of them. Um, uh, that's but you can find them on most of the consoles throughout the 90s and stuff. And they're still in arcades. So Metal Slug is is one to definitely check out. And the last one that I had on my list that I kind of just jotted down. And you talked about this a little bit. You talked about kind of the the RTS type games. 
Um, the one that I would put on there is from Microsoft, and it's Age of Empires, specifically Age of Empires 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And my my wife, that is her probably her favorite game of all time. And my wife is not much of a video game. But um, she, uh, it was very common for a long time that after we put the kids to sleep, you know, we'd, we'd come downstairs, we'd, uh, you, know, you know, I'd finish cleaning up after dinner, she'd do what she had to take care of what she had to do. We would sit down, put on whatever show we were watching, and she would pick up her laptop and fire up Age of Empires 2. And, and I, re- I remember when those first came out, or they were first talking about them, and it was, I was jazzed because it was, it looked like real-time civilization, you know, real-time strategy civilization, basically, right. you know, yeah. start it, back with your, your knights and stuff, and, uh, yeah, and that, and in a lot of ways, it, it is kind of like Civ, but it's, to me, it's Civ mixed with, like, Herzog's Wii, which was the first RTS I ever played back in the Genesis, or a Dune Battle for Arrakis, if you prefer that yeah. one, it's mm-hmm. old RTS, but uh, no, I mean just the. I mean, I am god awful at Age of Empires too. I mean, like, yeah, I was like, I stink on ice. The couple of times I tried playing head to head with my wife, she kicked my ass so bad it was embarrassing. Okay, which is always like, okay, let's go fire up some Fatal Fury. Let's uh, (laughs) even this up a little bit here. But uh, you know, um, that notwithstanding, the uh, so games like that again, where it's there's a lot of different aspects to it. You've got to. Like you said, you've got to manage the military side. You've got to manage the, the civilization side. You've yeah. got a different alarms constantly scrolling up. You're being attacked here. You're being attacked here. Yeah. This farm has been exhausted. This research has been completed. It's yeah. like for for certain people that, that that like all that type of stuff, managing and balancing that. Those games are almost infinitely replayable because yeah. again, you get a situation where you have a random map and random enemies and random resources. So it's not like you're ever really playing the same game twice, even though mechanically the, the mechanics are the same, the details differ, and that gives you really good replayability. Yeah, I think that's the strength of the strategy genre in general. Is, uh, you know, just any, anything that can alter it. You know, you can play like... I play a bunch of World War II, you know, like war sims that you, know, you can either play as you know, the Americans or Japanese or, or German. And, you know, even though you're kind of playing in a historical context, there's just so much going on that it's, it is different every time. Scott, let me ask you a question. Did you ever play the game Combat for the Atari 2600? Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you want to first, talk about a game with a lot of replay. Yeah. I mean, Especially since it was basically head-to-head all the time. Yeah. So, how many yeah. different modes did that game have? You had tanks, you had invisible tanks, you had tank pong. You That's had right. biplanes, yeah. you had jets, you had invisible biplanes, invisible yeah. jets. That game was awesome. Yeah, hell yeah, back in the day. It's... It drives me <laughs> nuts that I can't find like a compilation title that has that, because I get it just for that. I don't care. I mean... <laughs> it's probably on the internet database. Uh... Yeah, so they, no, that, they just that's, posted a ton of you know. There's literally just a bazillion games out there for free and, online. Classic PC is, games. It's, it's like the Genesis, the Game Gear, the Super Nintendo, Game Boy, NES, arcade. All that stuff's up on archive.org now, and oh, it's yeah. free. And that's the that's amazing. But you know, I guess they're old enough now that nobody that nobody cares if you're playing them anymore. I used to find them all, you know, I used to go back and play some Super NES and N64 and stuff on emulators on the PC, so... Oh, yeah. yeah, I've actually played my share of console games, just not on the console, and, like, 12 years later than they were put out, so... Nothing wrong with that. Like I said, no. I was a, we've always had Sega stuff, so I always played Nintendo stuff via emulator until I got my Game Boy. I've never owned 
a Nintendo console that didn't have the name Game Boy in it. Mm-hmm. So, I want to go down. Well, about the only one left on my list was I said uh, Faster Than Light, which is something I found on Steam and read some good reviews. But it's just a very simple. Well, it's actually not simple. It's actually very hard, and I've never even come close to finishing it. But it's like a starship type simulator. And you basically, it's all 2D, but I mean, it's basically you have your crew and your ship, and you can assign your people to different stations on the ship. And, you know, it's RPG elements. They they eventually increase their skills in different things. And you're escaping, you know, whatever the evil empire that's chasing you is at the time. You're trying to get to an end point, but you, you go through the galaxy, and, and you have fuel costs, and you have to eventually find space stores to replenish yourself and, and you know eventually occasionally you fight pirates and stuff but it's just very cool um said kind of my ideal of what a a starship management game is and, and just constantly changing and, and the universe is every time you play it is different and you know it's very procedurally um generated and all that good stuff but I also put in, like, other tactical starship simulators and even, like, 3D flight simulators in that same category, like um, like the Elite series, which I've been playing since way back when, and I just bought Elite Dangerous, which is flat-out open-world universe, fly your spaceship wherever you want, and, you mm. know, fight or trade or, you know, join the war or, or don't join the war, you know, anything you want to do, really. And they just added planets to that through DLC, but <laughs> I haven't paid for that yet. Mm. <laughs> Fight or die. Yeah. One one other thing I, I forgot to mention, but just kind of briefly, again, touching on arcade games. Um, there, there's an old school Sega arcade game called Outrun, which I adore, and there's yeah, another racing. one that is very... And, and, and that's, you know what, it's funny because the designer of the game uh, racing games in general, I think, have a lot of replayability. You can always yeah. run faster lap. You yeah. can always do that. Outrun, in specific, to me, was always a little different because the designer of the game, and I don't have many notes in front of me, so I don't have his name, but he's, he always said that Outrun is not a racing game. The game that uh, predated Outrun off the same hardware was a the motorcycle game called Hang On, and Hang On is a racing game. Yeah, You're specifically racing too. against other motorcycles and you're racing to the checkpoints. He called, he called that was the on. one in the arcade, I hate to interrupt, but that yep. was the one in the arcade that you actually sat on like a motorcycle, yes. right? Yes, sat on the motorcycle. And you had to lean no. left and right, if right. I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yep. And my brother one time fell off of it while playing. <laughs> <laughs> I probably tried it once and almost fell off of it, and that was probably the last time I played it. <laughs> but the thing about OutRun that made it, it was specifically not a racing game, it was a driving game. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit different. But the great thing about OutRun as far as replayability, first off, the game itself is fantastically fun. It's fast, it scales amazingly, it, it's, the, the sensation of speed is fantastic. But it gave you options and different endings. It was probably the earliest game I ever remember that had different endings in it. So as you go through OutRun, you start from the start point, and then you come to a... You, when you, before you hit the first checkpoint, you come to a crossroads. You can either go left or right. Oh, and then you that's continue, right. So you continue doing this, and you run through five different checkpoints. And depending on where, what turns you've made, you're now at one of, the, you're at one of five different endings. So you see the different endings. And this was also the first game that I ever remember playing where you could choose your music. 
before you started your started driving, they showed you with the radio, and you could choose either yeah. uh, what is it, uh, magical sound shower, splash wave, or um, passing surf. I think is the last one. I always play magical sound shower. That's my favorite one of the songs. So again, it's just little things like that that were. That sounds like something you might not want to Google search. Magical, <laughs> magical sound, sound shower. shower yeah, well, I, you know, know. The, I mean, the soundtrack to Outrun <laughs> is pretty pretty popular. You probably would get maybe a one page of good results before you start getting the really nasty stuff but um but again just stuff like that we're giving just a simple thing like giving you different endings where depending on and depending on what choices you made during the game i mean that's we we just kind of take that for granted nowadays yeah with certain games but to do it in a arcade racing game to me was was really innovative it's like okay well i got this ending i see what this is i wonder what the next one is I got to go back and turn right instead of left or whatever, you know? So I just wanted to mention that because that's that's another another game from my childhood that I had on the Master System. I actually never had it on the Genesis. Probably because I, I, there wasn't a lot of games that I had on the Master System that we ended up getting on the Genesis. I can only think of really uh, Thunderblade, another old school Sega arcade game, because that one my dad also really liked a lot. It was a chopper um, combat game. But you made a good point, and I think I'd add, like, sports games to oh. a list of, of good replayability because, as you said, you can always go faster, beat your last record, oh, yeah. have mean, a better I'm... season. And one game I play is Blood Bowl, which is a football-based yes. game based on the Warhammer universe. Welcome to Cabal HD, the new official Blood Bowl game. Hi, everyone. Our goblin technicians have been working night and day for the last year in order to deliver you the best quality service ever. Absolutely, Bob. And yeah, you just you play through a season, and and you, you know certain characters get injured and killed, and you have to go draft new ones, and yeah, it's just yeah. endless variety. And, I mean, the know, tabletop no version of going to be the same. The tabletop version of Blood Bowl is the same way. Uh, yeah, all the of all the games workshop games, Blood Bowl to me is the one that's easiest to keep playing because yeah. it's simplest to keep doing. Oh no, I mean I I, I I'm not I, a big I, sports I, game guy, but I, I love that, a good like football simulation. Yeah. That's well, my brother and I were big <laughs> again. We were Genesis guys, so sports games were huge on the Genesis. That was yeah, always yeah. one of the knocks in the Genesis, uh, the Jenny versus the Sneeze argument, as it was called back in the day. Was that the Jenny was better at running sports games because it had a it, it was better at processing things quicker. It yeah, didn't yeah. look as pretty as the Super Nintendo, but the Genesis could handle the sports games better. And the EA games were always the benchmark back then, and they were always better on the Genesis. I mean, my brother, I remember him keeping a um, all the statistics in a notebook for um, NHL hockey when we played the whole season with him playing as the New York Rangers and me playing every other team in the NHL. Yeah. Back before Techno there was a, Yeah, back before there was a season <laughs> mode. We played a we played a hundred and sixty two game season in Tommy Lasorda baseball nice. for our yeah. Genesis. Um we did that with Madden, uh, with him playing as the giant I was always my brother picking the teams, you notice that. But uh, <laughs> that comes with being the younger brother, I think, so I don't I don't that that doesn't bother me none. But you got yeah. that higher oh, you were the younger brother? Yeah, I was the young oh. I am the younger brother to this day, yeah. I was going to say, if you were letting him get away with stuff because he was the younger brother, you got that hierarchy all wrong, Luke. No, no, no. He, he's he's the older brother. So he got to uh, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, again, but it, but it was fair because then, again, we'd play, you know, Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter 2, and it'd be like, son of a bitch, I can't... The stupid controller doesn't work. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always blame the controller. 
That that's a that I say that that's another topic for another show. The stupid controller doesn't work, and it's core <laughs> and it's 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 partner in crime. The computer is a cheating bastard. So, <laughs> I blame all my video game failings on Obama. Obama, <laughs> <laughs> it's be even back fault. before, even back in the day, you know, back that's in right, the day, you know, he's older than me. It could, it could happen. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, cool. Uh, this has actually made me think of other genres that I didn't really consider before. I want to go down some of our uh, the list of people that um, responded to us on Facebook here because I have compiled them. He's a good producer. Um, Brian Hughes, who, who we have to actually give co-producer status to the show. We'll throw it out there because he kind of came up with the idea for us this time, mm-hmm. uh, which we always welcome, and we even welcome in our our email address just. So it doesn't get too dusty. No consoles for old men at yahoo.com. I haven't had one in a while, so feed our egos, if you would. Um, Brian said uh, Half-Life 2 and all the episodes, um, as we said before. Wolfenstein, Enemy Territory. Uh, great land party, staple of mine, and always plenty of current maps, players, and mods online today. I only ever played, like, the original Wolfenstein and I think maybe one of the, you know, when it went to Return to Capital, uh, the first, the first updated version. You mean? I don't know. I played, you know, like the one really ancient one, and well, yeah, there was one maybe a few years after that that yeah. was, was still pretty ancient. But I remember. I mean, um, I, I, I obviously played... a grandfather of shooters today. Yeah. I was always more of a side-scrolling shooter, you know, a Thunder Force type of guy than a mm-hmm. uh, an FPS. Although I did play, um, I remember really liking uh, the first Unreal when I was a freshman in college because mm-hmm. it had a really good like single-player story mode. I thought that one got me to keep playing it, even though I wasn't very good at it. Yeah, because it was more than just um, you know we we still do the LAN party. We had a guy downstairs in our dorm every Sunday after The Simpsons. He would open up a network, a LAN um, host, you know, would host the game, and we'd have everybody in the dorm room all playing it. Uh, but it was just a frag fest. Whereas I enjoyed the single player game just because it was a story and it was deep, you know. But yeah. that was that that you know, Unreal was not destined to be a game known for its story. I don't think. Yeah. Um, what else? He's got a Star Wars Jedi Outcast and Jedi Academy. Uh, which I agree. I mean, I love all the Dark Forces games, and and even those, even though the story was linear, that was just cool to just run back through and see all the, you know, running through the the halls of various Empire and Rebellion structures. Um, but yeah, those those eventually did branch out, and I think did we talked about Jedi Outcast earlier, maybe, where you know you started were able to start deciding whether you wanted to go light Jedi or dark Jedi and things like that. Um, and he's got free space, which is where I get confused with uh, Freelancer. But it was another vast space open world game. Uh, Aaron Henley, this is the one that pissed me off. Um, Aaron Henley suggested Chrono Trigger. 12 endings, including one that doesn't have the main character in it. One of the greatest RPGs of all time. And I responded, like, why was I not informed about this game? And, of course, he came back. It's pretty easy to find right now. There's a mobile port for both Android and Apple. I think it runs about 10 to 15 bucks. I checked. And I, I Googled it, and, of course, it's a console-only game throughout the years <laughs> that I never heard of or got to play, and now I regret. Um, 
Mike uh, Zumo or Zumo. Hope I got one of those pronunciations right, Mike. Um, said definitely Chrono Tigger. Chrono Trigger. Chrono Tigger. Chrono Tigger. Yeah. That would be Chrono Tigger's bounce. Yes. Um, he also said Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past. Only one I can play over and over. Um, Jason, as you said, Luke said Fire Pro Wrestling. Zeb Oswalt said Jedi Academy. Uh, said it was awesome. And the Jedi hero you play, the female version, is the same woman who voiced Shepard in Mass Effect. Presumably female Shepard. And she voiced the trooper soldier in Star Wars The Old Republic, the MMO. So hmm. thank you for some little trivia there, Zeb. Uh, Gene Hendricks said he's gotten a lot of replayability of Final Fantasy VII in Castlevania, Symphony of the Night, that we talked yep. about earlier. Yep. No, the story doesn't out, change. I was going to say, Gene, check out the uh, the Saturn version of uh, Symphony of the Night. And he says, uh, no, the story doesn't change, but you can try for other items, etc. I guess like games like Diablo would kind of fall under that, too, where... You know, it's kind of just a loot fest and same story, but a lot of replayability as far as just going through and seeing how many demons you can kill. <laughs> Chris Tyler, um, Hair Metal Hero, says Mega Man 1 and 2, Precision mm-hmm. Platforming, Legend of Zelda, Super Metroid, um, TIE Fighter, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, Three Ways to Play, Arkham Asylum and City. Uh, definitely have to agree with him there. And that kind of falls in the same line of the GTA you know, the open world Skyrim where you can do the main quest and get all your cutscenes and unlockables and then go back through. The Lego games, too, are like that. I mean, mm-hmm. you go through the main quest and then you can oh, go yeah, through all, different characters. Oh, yeah, all the characters. Lego games are, yeah. yeah. Yep. For me personally, like, the GTA games, they get boring for me as far as the replay because I'm not very good. It boils down to a lot of driving and I'm not very good at those aspects of it, so... And I get frustrated if I can't finish, and it damages my soul, because if I get frustrated in a GTA game and can't finish a mission, I'll just eventually go postal and start murdering people, and, um, you know, just to make it worth (laughs) logging into the game. (laughs) You know, damn it, I can't finish this one mission I've been working on for two hours, so let's go slaughter some people at a hospital. Yeah, I got a little frustrated (laughs) the other night, I just started to... Oh, to open up and dog meat with a missile launcher. <laughs> well, Little you can't companion. kill your companions. He just kind of sits there. And he's like, he just shakes it off. Like that's the best you got. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's all I got for our Facebook friends. Let me see yeah. here. Yeah, and Brian Hughes actually came back with uh, the Blade Runner PC game from mm-hmm. 1997, which I know I'm looking forward to. Uh, which apparently had like three different endings, um, depending on what you did in the game. Um, uh, and that's one of those, you know, point and click adventure games. It's very linear, but that's when they started to do. I, I remember that was a big selling point of it when it first came out that it had the kind of what you do in the game alters the ending thing, and they started branching out in adventure games like that. I see Steel didn't make it. I could have used you about ten minutes ago. You didn't need any help, McCoy. Chief Bryant wants to talk to you. He says you're really ready now. It never ends, does it? Uh Uh-uh. You're a real Blade Runner now. Full retirement bonuses and everything. You've done a man's job, sir. 
How come I don't feel good about it? Who knows? Buy yourself another animal, maybe. A real one, not a Tyrell fake. She wasn't fake. Whatever you want to believe, McCoy. Well, Ben's been telling me he, he's been playing a game called Destiny on the Xbox that we have, and he says that there's, uh, he finds it's a lot like Fallout. Um, I, I haven't tried it myself personally, and actually it was on, um, you had sent a list of the 20 most replayable video games of the decade, and, and Destiny is on that list as well, as well with like uh, Gears of War, um, Fallout, uh, and a couple others. I'm, I'm sorry, Dr. Bill, you keep saying, every time you say Fallout, I think of the Jesus Christ Bail Bonds commercial. Fallout, 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 Fallout. <laughs> nobody, know, uh, G- nobody knows that one? That you no. blame uh, Honeywell for Jesus Christ Bail Bonds. I think he's the one who passed that one on to me. <laughs> I don't recall that. Okay, look it up on YouTube, <laughs> Jesus Christ Bail Bonds. <laughs> yeah, I haven't even uh, looked at these lists that I sent you. Halo, Guardians they've got. I guess the, the Batman Arkham Knight. Uh, which I haven't played any of the Batman games yet. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I just don't have time. I'm yeah. like the I'm like the Burgess Meredith of video games. There'll be time. There'll be time. And then there'll be <laughs> well, no, again. It's, I guess be it's no debatable. Power. I mean, I guess replay value is really a subjective thing. Obviously, I mean, if you like going back, to, as I said, if you like going back to all the pretty pictures of Mist, you know, eight times, go for it. You know, if that's what you consider replay value. Right, but can't you just get can't you just get the backgrounds for Mist as your screensaver and be done with it? Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, you're not you're, you're not going to puzzle over the same puzzles again. Yeah. Yeah. At least I'll be honest. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Luke. Uh, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. If you're talking about Mist, go ahead. Oh, I was just no. I was just going to say, like, um, for me, for some reason, I, I did Fallout Four didn't hold my attention as long as I thought it would. And, mm-hmm. uh, really? You know, I, uh, yeah. And I almost think it was because I don't know. It was almost like I've seen this before that it didn't do enough different from like Fallout Three. No, Fallout what are, you, are you kidding me? There's been there's been things in there that have highly surprised me that I didn't like the fact that the feral ghouls will actually lay down, and you don't know they're there. If you don't do a vat, you may not pick them up. And I've I've oh, gone really? I've gone strolling in, and all of a sudden they just like fall down out of the ceiling, or they just get up off the ground. And I'm and I've walked. And sometimes they don't do it until you walk by them or you turn away from them. And I've you know, I don't know. You know what turned me off? I think, and obviously I could have just I don't know why my brain worked this way on this game. Um, but what really turned me off was like the settlement building aspect of it. I wasn't really down into it, you know. And for some reason, but my brain decided that I I shouldn't keep playing if I wasn't going to tend to the oh, the, need, the needs of the universe. <laughs> so I. I took a. Um, I'm like, damn! I'm a bad, you know, I'm you know, a bad you can, settlement manager. You can take, I should just stop. You can just keep bu- building stairs. I built like a staircase that just went up and up and up, and then on top of that, I built a big house. So it's like everybody can just go up there, and you know, in case you get attacked, you can just you know fire down from your little. I mean, it's not realistic. There's just this one, this like winding staircase that goes up, and then this big massive wooden house that sits at the top of it. On you know, there's the there's there's no way that you could really build this in real life. But hey, screw it, you know. Well, it's, yeah, I, I get, I'm not I'm not the best architect when it. Could. Yeah, exactly. They're gonna have to run up a flight of stairs, and we're just gonna blow the crap out of them. And that's and, actually uh, a very good you know, strategy. It is. It works. We'll a just lot. drop nukes on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's I think the only that's way it. To 
<laughs> I, I guess that that's uh, a compliment for the immersiveness of Fallout 4. It's an amazing game, obviously, but it just... I said it almost made me feel guilty that I've never been good at like the whole architect, you know, 3D architect type thing and building structures. And you know, I was a failure at Lincoln Logs as a kid. Oh, yeah, um, I just I just want to say, <laughs> Doctor Bill, I think I think the feral ghouls actually opened for Sword of Nergal at one point. I think so. <laughs> it all comes back full circle. Also, if you're if if building you know architectural and building settlements is not your speed. Um, Scott, you should check out the second Castlevania game for the GBA, which is called Harmony of Dissonance, where you, okay. where I, and I swear I am not making this up, you collect furniture throughout the game, and there's a room that you can go to where all the furniture you collect just starts building up, and you have this really nice room in the castle with all your furniture. You pretty so much do if, that in Skyrim, just collect yeah. an obscene amount of things, and so if, yeah. so if, if you, but it is, but they're all unique pieces. So if you know where to put the ottoman. You know, this is a game for you. Nice. No, that's why I felt like I was failing the wasteland and I should just not play any longer. Even though I know I could have just completely ignored the whole settlement building quest and just gone and killed super mutants. But Well, I do find that there's like a new... I have a new, <laughs> a new category for the Fallout games is that it's a great game to play, but it's a horrible game to watch somebody else play. Except when there's action, because yeah. I can sit there and go through my in, through my inventory and decide, well, I want to leave this back of the settlement, and oh, I'm going to craft this, and I'm going to craft that. And when I'm doing it, it's interesting. When yeah. when my son is doing, it, I'm like, come on, dude, we yeah, just go. Skyrim's the same way. It's like, it's gotta be. I've yeah. seen enough. <laughs> okay, do you really need to change the paint scheme on your armor again? Come on, let's go. Let's do something. <laughs> this is boring. Yes, I need to do it. Oh my god. <laughs> It's it's like you ever have you guys ever seen the movie adaption of Silent Hill? Uh, yeah, I think I did. Yeah. I, I said to, I said to my wife after we watched it, I said, "Is it unfair to call an adaption of a video game mechanical and repetitive?" <laughs> yeah, because a video that, game actually. by its nature, you know, kind of has to be. But you know, oh, no, Silent Hill, watching yeah, other people watching other people play video games is like that. That's like the seventh layer of hell. It's like, come on, man. Well, no, I think I it mean, depends on what it is. Yeah, right. I, mean, it's, I, it's I, I don't. I don't know. I, I've yet to find one that I, I that I'd rather watch someone else play than, you know, pick up a controller and and play. But again, that's more my era too. You know. Well, I got it at Honeywell over here when I uh, played the the Battlefront demo once, and you know, I was like almost jealous of him. I almost wanted to throw him on here to play just so I could watch it because. I just wanted to watch like the space battle and shit that was going on above me, and oh, yeah, <laughs> I really so care about stuff the stormtroopers rushing at me. Yeah, yeah. there's <laughs> the last few times that I've played Battlefront that I, I'm not even I don't even care what's going on with the multiplayer game. I'm like going around to watch the stuff that's going on. Yeah, like oh wow, that's an executor class star destroyer that's falling in the background. Holy shit! Yeah. Did you see that? Oh, I'm dead. What the hell? I was trying to watch that. Yeah. Every game like that needs, a, and a lot of them do, but just needs a good spectator mode that you can just fly through shit and watch everything. Yeah. I've played a few games like that that I've just yeah, literally done more spectating than they playing. Just, they just put out some free maps <laughs> on Battlefront, and you're mm-hmm. in the Endor Forest, and now you're going through a few spots where there's actual... Uh, like waterfalls that you're looking through from like a cave behind it, and there, there's there's parts of the of the forest that are on fire while you're running through it. And tell me when there's space battles. Wire. 
Call me when I can fucking dive bomb a goddamn Star Destroyer. Uh, that's yeah, that's not in there. That's not in there. Do they, do they have good texture mapping on the dead Ewoks? <laughs> that's very important. They're tasty. That is very important for certain people. I mean, I, I like Ewoks. I recognize I'm in the minority. <laughs> but if you're going to blow them in pieces... There is an achievement realistic. in the game. I, I guess it's kind of rare to get to where um, the, the Ewoks will drop rocks on you. I'm assuming you have to be... In uh, on the Empire side? No, I'm serious. There's a trophy. Well, they should be. Yeah. Oh, there's achievements for everything now. Like, like they fly Steam over in one of their little uh, yeah, wing things and yeah. 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 <laughs> you get wait so you get an achievement for them dropping rocks on you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh they love wow. it. They give achievements for everything nowadays. It's There's also an achievement thing. for for taking no damage while on a speeder bike on some training mission. And it's it says like the the play it safe. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know what though? Board. Not t- taking no damage in something at least that that's that takes a certain level that is of skill. An achievement, yeah, that's tough I mean, that, on that's... yeah because because you don't have to ne- you don't have to to necessarily defeat the rebel guys that you're chasing, but you but you you can't let them get out of range. So you do have to kind of stay at a moderate speed, but you got to be real careful because you take one bit of damage and you don't get the trophy. Yep. So you don't get that. that you don't get that, that uh, flawless victory. You know, you don't get that again. Flawless Ewok. That that was always the most infuriating thing. It's one thing to get beat in a fighting game, but to get perfected, oh my god, that always that drove me. <laughs> like I will hit you once, god damn it! <laughs> no, damn you, Geese Howard! Damn you, straight to hell! <laughs> <laughs> Um, what do you think, guys? We got any more to say about replayability in games other than it's I would say just, a good uh, thing? I would just say, you know, I mean, again, I'm, I'm out of the video game scene right now. I'm, I'm not hip. I'm not now. I'm not with it. I'm not down. I'm not, you know, up or whatever the kids say nowadays. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, find the games that you enjoy playing and play them again. You know? Yeah, yeah. If it's a game you haven't booted up in a long time... If you gotta go, you know, blow dust off your NES or your Genesis or whatever and hook it back up and find whatever cables you need to hook it up so that you can, you know, play a game that, that you played constantly and you love, do it. Yeah. yeah. I, and, just because it's not the newest game in the world doesn't mean that it doesn't have that replayability that you're not gonna want to play it over and over again. That's what makes it. I love you grabbing old games sometimes that are just, you know, ancient as far as graphics and shit are concerned now. But I mean if you're on the PC and online you can find literally anything. Including emulators for you know any number of uh, console games too, but yeah, I mean I love going. Game playability is is always my highest metric for any game. Is 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 it engaging? Graphics aren't that important, you know. Sound, you know, cutscenes, whatever. It's it's is the basic concept of the game engaging to me is what I look for the most. I think so. Yeah, and those are usually the ones that are also have the biggest replayability for me too so you know there's there's only so many times I can sit through the same pretty cutscenes uh, you know on an adventure game but you know, give me you, something you ever, different to do every time 
Uh, Scott, you ever hear of the game Iron Storm? Yes, yes. That was Iron the Storm. That was the nineteen. Right, World War Two never ended and, and proceeded on into the sixties. No, that's oh. the one I'm thinking of. Oh, which one are you thinking of? Iron Storm was a was a Japanese uh, game that was imported over to the U.S. by the same company that brought over Lunar and some of those other um, like uh, Saturn and PlayStation One uh, RPG games. And I can't remember the name of the company off the top of my head. Uh, Info Games or something like that. But it was a it was a tactical like a hex based World War II tactical game, a fantastic yeah. tactical game. But the way they sold it on the fact that every battle was a cutscene. And then you would see the bombers fly up and bomb the tanks or whatever. And then yeah. this was the main thing they sold the game on. It became so evident after five minutes of play that you yeah. turned them off because you couldn't stand watching them over and over and over again when you yeah. just went to move your tanks and shoot at these damn people, you know? Yeah, yeah. And once you turned it off, the game wasn't nearly as pretty, but man, it was a lot more fun. Yeah, variety is essential in something like that. I like, I always loved with going back to Empire at War. Um, that you could put, you know, hit the cinematic button and you'd see the battle from a ton of different angles. You know, you'd see the Tie Fighters sweeping in, and then you'd see it from a, you know, the the, the base station that you're all attacking. You'd see it from that angle, and it had some really great. If you wanted to just give your orders and sit back and watch the game, you know, it, that's always a great option for replayability too. Um, if you have a cinematic, you know, camera function like that, that you can just kind of watch the action, and it's different every time, that that's always fun. All right, here here was Iron Storm that I was ta- ta- that I was mentioning uh, is a first-person computer game developed by 4X Studios, published by Wanadu in Europe and Dreamcatcher Interactive in, in North America. Set in an alternate history in which World War One never ended the game takes place in 1964 the 50th year of the war and focuses on an allied soldier's mission to stop the russian mongolian empire from developing nuclear weapons and his later efforts to end the war and yeah that was a great game what is that called iron storm it's on steam apparently because i did a search and it said iron storm on steam I would, uh, it's, yeah, it was, it was, when did it come out? 2002 was when it came out. Actually, that, that's funny, because if you go to Wikipedia, on the Iron Storm disambiguation page, yes. Iron Storm video game can refer to a first-person shooter developed by Wanadu Edition, or Iron Storm Sega Saturn, a turn-based strategy game in the Dyson Raku series developed by Working Designs. So, there you go. We both were thinking of the correct game. Ah. Yeah, I might have to see if my pirate friends can find that one for me. <laughs> Actually, it's seven ninety nine on uh, Steam. I just pulled it up real quick. Cool, huh? Yeah, I need more distractions in my life. <laughs> I've been playing nonstop XCOM two for too long. I've got to give it up for a while. But it had like some <laughs> stealth aspects to it, in the where you could put on a, um, you could be wearing a uniform of. Uh, the other faction and you could like kind of walk around the base to infiltrate 
and you could only carry like you just couldn't carry every every weapon under the sun. You could only carry like something across your back, a few things in your pockets. Oh, like real life. I'm like yeah, it was you know, very realistic. Like Fallout, where you can lug three hundred pounds of you know missile launchers as much as you want. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. It had six levels. Solve. It had puzzles. It was all trench. It was like trench warfare. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it, it was good. Yeah, it looks neat. I think I'd also add like um, survival games to replayability. At least for me, a lot of them. Uh, I'm into you know. I've got one called the uh, Stranded Deep, which is basically you on the desert island situation. You got to chop your trees and build your fire pit and hunt for food and and go to different islands to find different resources and try to avoid getting knocked out of your raft by a shark and yeah, but just you know never it. It gets boring after a while, and it gets very hard. But you know, it's it's definitely something different every time you play. Mm. I guess that's what I always look for. Yeah. Shall we wrap it up, kids? Uh, yeah, about I two think hours in here. Yeah, I think so. I think we've we've covered it. Like I said, games can be replayable for different reasons. Find the ones you like to play and play them. Yeah, it's a very subjective thing, but I, I think it was a good topic to do tonight, and we'll get some other good topics on the way to you soon, hopefully. Um, again, no consoles for old men at yahoo.com or our Facebook page. Would love to uh, get some more members over there and, um, and Luke, give us your suggestions. We, we get lots of good suggestions all the time, and i got to go back through the page and start uh, compiling some of them and, and start giving our fans what they want, right? Yep. And, Luke, we can find you. Uh, well, how about you tell us I'm, where we can find you? Yeah. Why don't you tell Pimp me the yourself. name of the film you'd like to see? <laughs> Pimp yourself, man. <laughs> Damn, Jack! But uh, no, the, you can uh, you can always find me at Earth Destruction Directive, which is a Daikaiju podcast that is also part of the Two True Freaks uh, Internet Radio Network. Uh, in addition, I am one of the co-hosts over on the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, also part of the... Um, we got some new and exciting stuff coming up. I'm not really at liberty to discuss that, but uh, good stuff coming down the pike, so uh, get get yourselves prepared for that. And uh, I'm also uh, the proprietor of the almost never updated Hawkman blog, Being Carter Hall at beingcarterhall.blogspot.com. And uh, you can find me kicking around the Two True Freaks page on Facebook under the name Earth Destruction Directive. So check me out if you're interested in giant monsters and or horror movies and or Hawkman. Sweet. And this has uh, been the 15th episode of No Councils for Old Men. So, man, it's cool. We'll be doing this over a year now. Soon we'll be legal. Oh, yeah. I say you're legal in Canada, aren't you? (laughs) At least Alabama. At least Alabama, yeah. Well, you guys know the state motto of uh, Mississippi, right? Thank God for Alabama. (laughs) Race to the bottom. (laughs) I apologize to all my Alabamian friends. We apologize. Lord, I apologize, and please be with the starving pygmies in New Guinea. Amen. The No Consoles for Old Men show. You've been listening to No Consoles for Old Men, starring Dr. Bill Robinson and Scott 2.0, Scott McGregor. If you'd like to email us with any questions or suggestions for future shows, our email address is noconsolesforoldmen at yahoo.com. No Consoles for Old Men is produced by Dr. Bill Robinson and Scott McGregor and is part of the Two True Freaks Podcasting Network.
and told my mustache disappears while watching Star Wars movies.